Welcome. We are so glad you can join us for our Good Friday service this year. Even though it is a little different, uh, we still are very, very glad to be able to have you join us today. And Good Friday and Easter, the, the whole season is always an interesting one for me. It's a season of highs and lows, of good things and bad things. On Friday, there lies so much pain and suffering and tragedy and hardships. And yet Sunday rolls around, and I think it's easy for us to forget the difficult and terrible things that happened just days before. And we jump right to the, He has risen, He has risen indeed, and Sunday is coming, and those are wonderful, wonderful things. But for today, it's Friday. I think sometimes we like to conveniently move past and jump forward past the difficult, the difficulties and the grief and the hardships because they're very, very hard. And so we, we call this Good Friday. But I was intrigued as I reached out to some friends of mine and um, a bunch of other people this week. I was intrigued to find out that many, many places around the world don't call it Good Friday. They call it Holy Friday or Black Friday, or Long Friday, or Silent Friday. And maybe for the, for the sake of this year that we, we hold on to one of those. Because there's probably some more suitable names for something that we call something so good. And of course the miracle is not complete without the death and the resurrection of Jesus. But on Friday, just Friday... There's a lot of difficulty and pain. And so I'm going to ask you to do something with me. For this service, I'm going to ask you that you stay on Friday with me. We're going to stay in Friday. We know Sunday's coming. We know the good news that we'll roll around. We know the good news that Jesus brings us. And we'll get into that a little bit later. And JP ultimately will get into that on Easter Sunday. But for tonight and for today... We are just going to stay at Friday. And so why don't you pray with me as we begin diving into this Friday. God, thank you so much for who you are. God, thank you for the celebration that we'll be able to have on Sunday, God. But I pray that you would speak to us in a unique way right now on Friday. That in, in the darkness and in the pain and in the suffering, there lies this truth of your good news and of how you yet remain to be a good God. God, I pray that we would understand that, that that would be real in our lives, and we would be drawn closer to you because of it. In Jesus' name, amen. And so there were... The first thing that came to my mind when I thought of Good Friday was bad news. Bad news. We've all experienced it at some point. And there would have been many, many people, whether it's the disciples or the family of Jesus on Good Friday, they would have experienced this very, very bad news. She has cancer. Many times we can't prepare 
ourselves for the news itself. It's like a brick wall that smashes into us harder than we could have ever expected. And this looks, this could look very, very different for many of us. There isn't much time left. Your mom and your dad, we love you and we care for you, but we just can't be together and you're going to have to choose who you would like to stay with. There has been a terrible accident. There was a complication in surgery. Guys, bad news happens to all of us at some point, and that's exactly what it is. It's bad. And maybe bad things have happened to you. Tuning in from wherever you are, maybe bad things has happened, maybe it hasn't been your week, or in the, I guess I didn't mean to quote friends, your month or even your year, Maybe it's been very, very difficult. Maybe it's been longer than that. For some of you, maybe it's been a lifetime of struggles and difficulties. Maybe you're the recipient of ridicule and jokes or abuse. And the list goes on. Bad news looks very different for each one of us. But we all have experienced this at some point or another within our lives. And we know the good news of the gospel and the resurrection that takes place on Sunday. But Friday, on Friday, everything is a complete mess. It's a complete mess of pain, of suffering, and discord. And so we're going to look into some of these pains and suffering, some of these bad news. And I mean, all we got to do is start on Jesus' road to the cross and and, and, and probably the, the, the news that Mary and Joseph and Jesus' family got when he was arrested. But there lies some very tragic news. As they maybe heard or witnessed some of the beatings that took place. As the disciples had to stand idly by, some fleeing and hiding, some staying close, just tuning in, hoping to catch some news to see what's going on. To hear him scream when crown of thorns isn't just placed on his head it's it's pounded onto his head so that so the thorns lodge into his skull so that it stays there bad news manifested itself in many many ways but for jesus we're going to turn to actually his last words there's seven last words and six of them actually point to the very real physical emotional and spiritual suffering and difficulty that Jesus is having. First off, as uh, in Luke in Luke twenty three thirty four, as they're as they're beating him, and and as he's eventually being crucified, he's looking down and he says, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing." His heart is broken, knowing that this is the creation he has made to be in perfect relationship with him, and yet here they are, totally turn their backs on him nailing him on a cross. John 19, 26-27, this is, I think, one of the most dearest and one of the most like humanly things Jesus could have said while he was in the middle of this suffering. And it says, When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved, this is John, 
Standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. Jesus is saying his goodbyes. His very immediate family of 33 years is standing there. And tomorrow he's not going to have a brother. And tomorrow his mom is going to have lost a son. Knowing that Jesus can't, that he himself can't take care of his mother anymore, he goes, John, this is, this is now on you. This is bad news. I think one of the saddest and most excruciating things he says is in John 19, 28, when he says, I am thirsty. You see, Jesus' body would have been beaten so hard and been through so much already that as he's hanging there on the cross, is desiring some nutrition and some sustenance, something to keep going, something to stay alive, and there quite frankly wasn't going to be anything that could be taken or eaten or drank that was going to pull him out of this. And yet his physical side is going, I am suffering, I need help. I am thirsty. And then, spiritually speaking, one of his most famous sayings is found in Matthew 27, 46, also in Mark 14, 34, when he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you done this to me? Why did it have to come to this? Why does my life look this way? For the first time in Jesus' life, that close, intimate relationship that he had with the Father from the beginning was no more. And as he cries out, silence, no help, no empathy. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then, of course, as he sees his work on this earth, as he knows that his, he is the sacrifice that needed to come and to pay for sins, he cries out, John 19, 30, it is finished, it is accomplished, it is paid for. And then his very last one, words, he goes, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, leaving the suffering behind, letting it go, bringing to completion his life. Jesus suffered in so many ways, and he wasn't the only one. Like I alluded to before, Mary's sitting there watching this whole thing go down, a mother watching her son. We can't even imagine that. His brother standing right there. Having to see a sibling go through something like this, again, we can't even fathom. There's the disciples and the friends scattered everywhere in fear, not knowing what's going to happen to their closest friend. I think we all can recognize, based on what we've just gone through, you guys, that we can all recognize that Good Friday, there was a lot of bad things that happened on Good Friday. 
And I think it's important for us tonight and today to, to come for what they are. As bad things, because these things happen. We can all recognize that bad things happen, but that leads us to what is good. If there is bad, then there is inevitably going to be a good side, and we know that good side is coming. And so we're going to get into this idea of good, and so we know that what happened on Friday was bad. We know the miracle on Sunday, the completion of that miracle is is good, but there's also this in-between. And so for us, to, we, we know the bad. We Many of us have experienced the bad. And we know the good's coming, but I think we need to identify what this goodness actually is. And so I looked up, and I looked up, uh, good can be an adjective and a noun. You see, when it's an adjective, when we decide, when we, we just, excuse me, when we just simply describe something as good, we're using it as an adjective. Say, for example, I walk into my favorite restaurant, which you should all patron right now while you were at home, Burger Bench in Escondido. Let's just say I walk into Burger Bench and I order my favorite hamburger and they take my order with a smile and it comes out promptly and there's no issues and it's cooked exactly how I want to. I can leave this restaurant 100% confident, five stars, wonderful experience, this is great. Now on any other given day, someone else may enter the same restaurant and maybe they're greeted by someone who's having a hard day. And so they're, they're a little short. And then they accidentally mess up the order and mischarge them. And then some of the food comes out wrong. And before you know it, a five-star experience that I would have given it has now gone down to three. And this is what it means. It's so subjective. And so when we use good as an adjective, we can't describe God as good as an adjective because it's simply based on our experience with him, just like I've had this experience in this restaurant. Because then we look at our lives and we go, either good things are happening to me or bad things are happening to me, therefore God is either good or bad. And we simply can't do that. We can't use good as an adjective to describe God. However, we can use the noun form of good. And the dictionary defines good as a noun as that which is morally right and righteous. That which is morally right and righteous. You see, Jesus himself was morally right and righteous. And yet here he is paying all the punishment on the cross. In fact, in Mark 10, 18, Jesus says himself, he says, no one is good but one. That is God. No one is good but one. That is God. And so if God is truly, in fact, good, and I would make the argument, guys, God is not just good. He is very good good what happened on Friday was not good the events that took place on 
Friday aren't good. There's a reason we don't have a celebration service on Friday night. Because it's so, it's so hard. It's hard for me to walk through these different points of that night. And it's a hard pill to swallow. But that does not negate. So what happened on Friday was not good, but that does not negate the fact that God's whole plan of salvation that is defined in his character is very good. You see, God's whole plan of salvation is defined in his character as being morally good and righteous. The bigger picture that God promises is very, very good. But that doesn't mean bad things don't happen. In fact, I'm just going to pause here for a second because I've had this conversation with the students because we read in the book of Genesis when God creates this perfect world. He creates this perfect garden and he creates these perfect people and a perfect relationship to have with these people. It's beautiful. And yet, we know what happens next. They sin. They make a mistake. They desire to know more. That is, they think God's holding out on them. And so, they take the fruit that they weren't supposed to. And everything after that, you guys, God's perfect creation that was functioning flawlessly has all of a sudden turned into chaos. In fact, just just shortly, just not that long afterwards, we see Cain murdering his brother. This is the chaos that ensues. And until we get to the end of Revelation, you guys, which is something in the, in, in the far future, we're stuck in the middle. We're stuck in the chaos. Not to say that everything happens around here is bad. There are joys and wonderful things that can happen in life. But there's also a lot of pain that can come alongside. A lot of pain and suffering that is hard to explain. And so it's important for us to understand the bigger picture that God promises is very, very good. But that doesn't mean that bad things don't happen. And even if we know Sunday is coming and the completion of the miracle is yet to be, does that make bad news any less bad? I'd argue, you guys, that bad news and the kinds of things that may be happening in your life and maybe they're choices you've made that have led you down a path you never intended to go maybe you've willingly turned your back against God and here you are stuck in a mess that you don't know how to clean up maybe things have happened to you that can't be explained just terrible things and you're left in this mess Bad news is exactly what that is, bad news. And what can we say if things keep getting worse? I mean, I think that's the fear that as maybe some of us experience bad news, like you, you think in your mind, well, it can't get much worse than this. And then maybe something else happens. Maybe something related, maybe something totally different. Sometimes, 
And today, sometimes we need to recognize that we are in the darkness because Jesus himself was stuck in it as well. Jesus, the God of all creation, who gave breath to living beings and breath to humanity at the very beginning, gave up his position, as Philippians says, gave up that position to come down and to be a human. And in these moments, the last couple days of his life on earth are just the worst days we could ever imagine. Jesus himself was stuck in the pain. He was stuck in the spiritual torment. He was stuck in the emotional and psychological and physical pains, you guys. There's nothing that we can experience that Jesus hasn't himself experienced as well. So he's not a God that just sits way above us, but he's a God who feels with us. And he a God, he's a God who cares for us. And he wants to heal us. And the good news is promised for what is to come, you guys. But I guarantee you, our sin, pain, and suffering, they're not going to ever be totally resolved on this earth. Which is why we can't look into the things around us as, as the ultimate hope. They can be wonderful. But if that's all we have, you guys, it could be gone tomorrow. It will not be our sin, our pain, our suffering, you guys. This is why Jesus had to come, because it was never going to be resolved on this earth. But it is resolved in the big picture. I'd like us to read Romans 6, 5 through 10. And Paul says this. He says, For if we have been uni uni united with him in a death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died in Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, for the life he lives, he lives to God. Guys, the bad news is bad. But the good news is so, so good. And in order for this whole gospel miracle to take place, for us to truly be forgiven and for those sins to truly be taken care of, there had to be all these terrible things. And Jesus willingly took them on himself and he goes, you know what, I am going to take on what should be on them, put it on me. Now he doesn't say we won't have difficulties, he doesn't say we won't have struggles or bad things happen. But what we don't have to do is pay for our sin. The bad news is what makes the good news so good. What makes the resurrection so good? Because Jesus had to be raised from the dead. 
what makes our future so hopeful and so wonderful because we are not stuck in the pain that's going to inevitably come our way. Now I'm going to pause here because I feel like I could keep going, but there's someone else who could share better than I can who's been through many, many things. And she's a dear friend of mine, and we're going to have her. She's going to, we have her story queued up and ready to go, and we're going to hear, hear from her. But why, why I wanted to include her, this, this um, her name's Anne. Why I wanted to include her is because we have a bigger picture. We'll hear about some strain or some difficult and some hard things and some bad things that have happened in her life. But we also get to see things later on and some wonderful things that have taken place because of it. And so for the next few moments, I ask that you tune your ears in intently to hear the story of Anne Hansen. I was raised as a Catholic. Um, I went to Catholic school through seventh grade. I've always believed in God. Um, that's always been part of who I am. But as a Catholic, I went through all the motions of um, what was required to be a Catholic. The teachings were from a missal, which are interpretations of the gospel. Um, we never really learned anything straight from the Bible. Um, the nuns were very strict. Um, they used rulers as a form of teaching us um, to keep us in line. I remember coming back to school one time after being sick and um, the nun asked me what I did wrong for God to make me sick. And I thought, wow, God punishes me because um, it makes me sick because he's mad that I did something wrong. Um, and I thought that that was how God dealt with things, is that he would punish us if we did something wrong. And I didn't care about that. I, I just stopped trying to be good because I felt like, you know, if I did wrong, he was gonna punish me anyway. And it was just hard. Um, I was the rebel of the family, believe it or not. Um, we had six kids in the family. Of course, I was the one. Um, I didn't do things um, because everyone else did things. I wanted to do things because I, the way I wanted to do things. Um, I wanted my freedom, and I wanted my, the freedom to think of um, for myself and determine, determine my own destiny. Um, when I was 17, I got pregnant. Um, and I ended up getting married um, and by the time I was 19 I had two kids um, I decided not to force religion on them I wanted them to think for themselves what they wanted um, to believe in if they wanted to believe in God what type of religion they wanted to believe in but I didn't want to force that on them because I felt like I had it forced on me um, skip ahead to age 22 and I was divorced a single mom um, and then at the age of 32 um, my family was having a family reunion um, and
and we were all headed up north and we were in a horrific car accident. And my sister Jackie um, was killed in the accident. Um, my um, sister Ellie um, had a serious head injury. She hit the windshield. Um, I broke both my legs um, and had multiple injuries. Um, my daughter broke her back in two places and um, had a severe laceration across her forehead. Um, and then my son John, he the only injuries he had was seatbelt bruises um, physically, um, but emotionally he had a lot of issues. Um, it was, it's called survivor's guilt. Um, and so he had a tough time dealing with that. You know, at that point, I was so mad at God for letting this happen. How could he let this happen? Um, you know, it's these things like this aren't supposed to happen. And I just was so mad at God that um, I just wanted to scream. I would cry myself to sleep every night just asking God, why, why, why did you do this to me? Why did you do this to us? Um, we had such a great family and, you know, missing my sister like that and injuring people like that, that was just horrible, a horrible thing to do. And I just told him I hated him. I hated him for what he did to us. And so, um, so life went on. I had anger issues. John had anger issues. Um, and um, then John met a friend in high school, uh, and that changed his whole life. Um, his friend was a Christian, and he took him to youth group with him, and um, John really embraced that. It really changed his life, and I noticed his anger started to subside. Um, he, you know, would be forgiving of people. He dealt with issues much better than he ever has before in his life. So he went on to Africa for six weeks, and then after that, he went to Bible college for a year in Montana. I was so proud of him. And afterwards, he came back, and he was living with me. Um, he, he told me he had something he wanted to talk to me about. And so my, um, I, I asked him, you know, what, what is it that's troubling you? And he said, Mom, I'm so afraid that you're not going to be in heaven with me. And so um, he goes, please just come to church with me and you'll see God is good. He does not punish you. He is not the God that you think he is. He's very passionate, very um, merciful, um, and he loves you. And he goes, I just don't want to go on to heaven without you. And so I told him I would try. I would go to church with him. So I went to church with him and his girlfriend at the time, who's now his wife, Christy. And in 1997, I was baptized a Christian and it changed my life forever.
know, I look back at my entire life and I know God was there, um, but I thought God was there pushing me down the whole time. And really, the, what I wasn't looking at was God was there to help me up through everything. You know, humans do things and things happen that are not good, but God is there to help you through it. And I realized that after I started going to church with with John and his girlfriend, now wife, um, Christy, and um, I realized and I learned that God really was there through my whole life. He um, is very merciful. Um, you know, bad things happen. It happens to everyone. It's all in the way that you look at it and the way that you let God help you. God will help you through many things. Whether you know he's doing it or not, he's there. Um, and I realized that. And I want to leave you with this one passage um, in the Bible that means a lot to me. It's Philippians 4.13. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. He knows me inside and out, and I'm so grateful that, you know, he has given me his mercy, and now I realize it, and I realize how great he is. What a powerful, powerful story. What I love is that even though Anne experienced such difficult and hard things in her life, there was still this moment where she had this realization that God was in fact still good. And I want to thank you guys for staying with me and staying in Friday kind of as long as we have. Because it's difficult, but I think it's important for us to recognize the difficult things. And so maybe there are things going on in your life that are very hard. Maybe bad things have happened. Maybe you've made some poor choices. Maybe you just know for a fact that you haven't been following Jesus. And if this was what you needed to get you moving in another direction to keep you pursuing towards Jesus or pursuing your relationship with God, that I encourage you to click on the prayer tab and reach out to our staff. This is what it's all about, you guys. Because my final point that I'm going to put up here, you guys, and this is in light of Anne's great story and what we've seen in Scripture so far, is that God, or I'm sorry, good, is that the gospel is still true regardless of what happens to us or what we do. Good is that the gospel is still true, regardless of what happens or what we do. You guys, Friday was really, really dark. It was silent. It was painful. Maybe there's times in your life where your relationship with God is silent. You're crying out to him for help and you can't hear anything. Maybe you're experiencing so much pain that you go, God, just would you just take this away? 
But I want to close us with one more passage. And it's from 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, it says this. It says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Guys, the good news of the gospel, the good news of Friday and Sunday, and this whole picture that the Bible paints of God's relationship with us, the good is that the gospel is still true. Regardless of what happens, what our lives may look like, what may happen to us, and even what we do. And so again, I want to thank you for staying staying on Friday with me for today. And guys, of course, Sunday's coming. And I, I encourage you guys to tune in on Sunday for our Easter services. JP will put the, the big cap on all of this because there's this difficulty in the terrible things on Friday and then the disciples and the family, they wake up Saturday and they're still left with the reality of what's happened. They don't know Sunday's coming yet. We do. And so since God has revealed himself in this way, we know this picture that he has painted. We know the love he has for us. As First John says, what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Guys, just think about that for a moment. The God of all creation sends his perfect Holy Son to be that sacrifice for us. Why? So that we may be called his children. Again, if you haven't made that commitment to Christ, I encourage you to click on that prayer tab. Reach out to our staff. We want to have that conversation with you. This is too important. This good news is too good. Because I know, guys, the pain and the difficulties that you and myself were going to go through, they're just too hard. We need Jesus, and we need that good news. We need Sunday. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for suffering the way that you did so that you know you can empathize with us when we experience it too. And even though maybe it's difficult for us to understand why bad things may happen to us and how we could even consider you good in light of bad things that happen, God, I pray that the gospel would ring true, that each one of us tuning in, and myself included, that we would leave today with a more fuller and a better understanding of who you are and your goodness. That we can't just use good as an adjective to describe you because we thought you did a good job today as God. But that title of good belongs to you and no one else. That title of good is who you are. 
And that title of good is what drove you to send your son to die on our behalf and to suffer on our behalf so that we may be considered your children. Help us to cling on to that hope. Help this good news in the gospel help us through difficult and hard times. I know they're coming. God, help them today and this week, this year, and whatever may whatever may come in our future. Help us to cling on to that good news, good news of your gospel. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you so much for tuning in with us, you guys. Again, I'm so glad you could join us. And this is just the start. Sunday's coming. The good news, we've presented it here tonight, but there's so much more that JP will bring into the equation on Sunday. And so I encourage you to come and join us on Sunday. Have a great, great night. Hope to see you guys soon.